Our Father in heaven, thank you. As we can study your word this morning, just open my mouth and speak through me, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you have read through some of those chapters in the Bible that begin with, He begot, and He begot, and He begot? Any of you? And how many of you have skipped over those chapters? Because there's an assumption that there must be something more interesting in the Bible. But let me just make a statement here. And by the way, I'm cutting my sermon short just to try to help you to get to eat. Uh, There's nothing in the Bible that God has put in there because he needed space to fill. Everything in the Bible is there because it has a purpose. And I want to share with you this morning, for example, beginning with the book of Matthew. Matthew is one of those chapters that has to do with the begots. And it begins with the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then it says, uh, Judas begot Pharaoh and Zareph Tamer. Pharaoh begot Esron, and Esron begot Abraham. And Solomon begot Boaz of Rahab, and Boaz begot Obed of Ruth, and Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. David begot the, the uh, Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. <clears throat> it continues on through uh, bringing us in the genealogy all the way down to Jesus Christ. The amazing thing is that this chapter introduces us into four women in this genealogy. And normally speaking, women are not part of that genealogy. If you read through most of, uh, in Luke, for example, you don't find that. And you may ask the question, why were these four women introduced into this list of great men? Abraham, Jacob, etc. And even more than that, these four women are not Jewish women. They're all Gentile women, pagan women. Which leads us to the question as to why would God insert the names of four Jewish, pardon me, four Gentile pagan women into the genealogy of Jesus Christ? And we begin by looking at some of these women, which will help us to understand why it is that God has written that chapter. First of all, Look at the girl named Tamar. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. And we're introducing to Tamar, who happens to be a daughter-in-law of Judah. Judah happens to be one of the sons of Jacob. And the scripture bears out that Judah departed from the instructions that God had given to his children not to go and to intermarry with unbelievers. Judah meets a, a lady and um, decides to take her for wife, and she conceived, 
And she had three sons from Judah. First son was Ur, second one was Onan, and the third one was Shelah. The scripture says then that Judah uh, found a wife for the son. And the wife that was found was named Tamar. Tamar was a Canaanite. And the scripture reveals then that <clears throat> once Judah took this young woman to be wife to his son, something terribly happened. That boy died. And then he did the Jewish customary thing, and that was that the second boy was given to the girl. He died also. When he came to the third boy, Judah had no intentions of giving the third boy to that woman. Notice what it says. Then said Judah to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, remain a widow at thy father's house till Sheila, my son, be grown. For he said, lest peradventure he what? He die also. So why did he begin to think about this, this lady? She was taboo. Right? I give her my first boy, he dies. Give her the second boy, he dies. I'm not giving my third boy. There's something about her. That's not good. So he sends her home. Now, the wonderful thing about this young woman is that even though she was of pagan origin, Canaanite, she apparently, in her heart, had accepted the Jewish faith. Now, I'm saying that because when she was sent home, she began to feel that her father-in-law was up to no good and that he was going to defraud her and therefore she would be childless. To the Jewish mind, especially the women, <clears throat> it was imperative that they bear children. And sometimes when you read the Old Testament, it almost appears that women in the Old Testament were baby crazy. Is that true? I mean, you look at Jacob's two wives. There was the Battle of the Bulge. You understand what I'm saying? They were constantly fighting as to who can have more kids, right? But what was this whole idea of having kids? Was it just to have a bunch of kids? No. All Jewish women who were women of faith had an understanding of the promise that God had given to Adam and Eve, that through thy seed, They all expected that sooner or later, one of them would be the honored lady who could bring to the world a savior. Now it's true that sometimes women got carried away with that concept. But the reality is 
that Tamer, though being a Canaanite, somehow while outside she was a Canaanite, inside she was a woman of hope. And even though she was married into a dysfunctional family, she wanted to be part of that hope. And she wanted to be part of that hope to such an extent that she was willing to do anything to accomplish it. And the scripture says that she dressed herself up like a prostitute and waited along the way until Judah came by. And the rest of the story is that she got pregnant. And when the relatives of, of Tamar discovered she was pregnant, they sent word to Judah and said, you need to come over here and burn this woman. She's done a terrible thing. So, the scripture bears out then that the young lady gave evidence to those who were there who was the one that made her pregnant. And it was Judah himself. And Judah makes a statement, that's what he says, she has been more what? More righteous than what? Than I. Because that I gave her not to Sheila, my son, and he knew her again no more. Tamer then becomes one of the great, 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 great grandmothers of our Savior. The Canaanite pagan becomes an honored woman in the line of Christ. You go to Rahab, and by the way, I changed my sermon. I don't know if you know the, the title I was supposed to be preaching, but I felt impressed to change the topic, and I believe that the Lord will speak to you. Notice then that Rahab is the second one in that list. Rahab is found in the book of Joshua. And she's introduced as a prostitute. When you look at the background of Rahab, you discover that she is, of course, of the Canaanite people. And the Canaanites are actually descendants of what boy? Ham. Now, was Ham the good boy or the bad boy? I can't understand how it is that somebody can grow up in a church like Ham did, see all the glorious miracles that he saw, see God in action, be one of those that survived the destruction of the earth, <clears throat> see a rainbow for the first time, and then turn his back on all that he understood and knew. Because it's from Ham that we have Nimrod. And Nimrod is the one that begins to build the Tower of Babel. How it is that somebody can grow up in the faith and turn to be the enemy of the faith, I don't understand that. But it happens, is that true? And I wonder if some of us may have children 
We did everything we could to raise them in the right way. And they become a great, great, great grievance to us. How does it happen? Well, Rahab comes from the Canaanites. Now the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Jebusites and all the sites were people who came from Ham. And the amazing thing about this is that they were wicked people, warlike people, immoral people, and yet God said that their cup of iniquity was not yet what? Full. God gave them 400 years. How much time? 400 years. The great patience of God, the great forbearance of God. I'm grateful for that patience. What do you say? Sometimes people say, well, you know, they say Jesus is coming and my grandmother's dead and and my mother's dead, and Jesus has not yet come. Well, what is 200 years in comparison to 400 years of waiting? And yet God in his mercy was willing to endure this group of people because the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish. How many? But that all should come to what? repentance. <clears throat> and so the time came when the command was given. Their cup is full. And it says you need to destroy the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Parasites, Hivites, the Hebusites. It's time to do it. Now you may ask, how far did these people go in order for God to finally have to give that command? I'm not going to read this text to you, but you have your Bibles. You can read it yourself. If you don't have your Bibles, you can go home and read it. You'll understand that these people were practicing bestiality. These people had degenerated to such a low ebb. They become animal-like. And the command was that they needed to be destroyed. And yet in the midst of all of that, we find this girl who says to the spies, the Lord your God, he is what? God in heaven and where? And in earth beneath. Now think about it. Here's a girl that, that it's a prostitute. Because the Bible says Rahab the harlot. My understanding is that in those days, as it is in Iraq or India, today in some of these countries, the prostitutes are about 12, 13-year-old girls. And oftentimes the families force their girls into prostitution to provide money the home. Rahab was obviously a victim of circumstances. 
though she was a practitioner in the wrong occupation, yet in her heart there seemed to be a longing. That's why the, the Bible says, man looketh on what? The outward appearance. But God looks where? In the heart. God saw that young woman, the prostitute. He saw that in the heart there was a longing for something better. And when she heard about the Israelites and all that God had done, her heart yearned to be part of those people who served the God of heaven above and the God of the earth. Just think of it. When I was a little boy in Puerto Rico, the announcement came that they were going to build a church near our village. I was very excited. I even participated in straightening nails out. I must have been about four years old. But I was happy to take a rock and bang on nails, straighten them out. Church got built. And I must have been about five years old when I attended the first mass. I remember seeing the altar boys with their white garments on walking behind the priest with their hands clasped in prayer. And I could remember at five thinking to myself, I wish I could be as holy as those boys. That was the longing of my heart. I wish I could be as holy as those boys. Where do those longings come from? Somehow God beams into us desires because we're told that all good things come from where? From above. Now I had no understanding of all of the religious stuff that goes on. All I had was a longing. Here I was, a dirty kid, we had no shoes, my mother used to go around begging for food when my father abandoned her. And here I am in the sanctuary, and I'm looking at those kids, and I'm struck with, ah, if I could only be as holy as they could. There are many people like that all around us who are longing in deep inside or something better. They may become uh, victims of circumstances. Rahab, when she saw those pies, for your Lord, God is God of in heaven above and on earth beneath. And the scripture reveals then that when the Jews encircled Jericho and Jericho was destroyed, I want you to notice what the results of that longing was Rahab, the Bible says, was brought out and her father, her mother, her brethren, and all that she had 
and had brought out all her kindreds. The prostitute <coughs> without one coaching seminar for Mark Finley became an evangelist. Did you hear what I said? Rahab the prostitute without attending one coaching seminar of Louis Torres became an evangelist. What do you say? The prostitute becomes the evangelist, the soul winner. And she is effective in reaching her family for the kingdom. And all the kindreds. You know, sometimes I think, I wonder how many sardines were inside that room. You know what I'm saying? I wonder how many people clung on to the hope that Rahab had. And the amazing thing is this, that Rahab then is not only written in that book of Matthew, but look in the New Testament. By faith, Rahab, is that all it says? What does it say? By faith, what? A harlot, Rahab. Now let me ask you something. How many of you, when you put your CVs together, you want to come to work at the Guam SDA clinic, and you put your CV together, put in your resume, my great-grandmother was a prostitute. <laughs> How many of you? What is it that we normally put on our CVs or our resumes? You can't function if you don't have me, buddy. You understand what I'm saying? I have this qualification and this qualification and this qualification. We promote ourselves. That's the way things are, right? But I want you to notice that our master is not ashamed to call that prostitute a great, his great, 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 great grandmother. In the book of James, likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works. Notice then that it doesn't leave the word prostitute or harlot out. Why does it do that? Because it wants to encourage you and me to understand this. It really doesn't matter where you come from. It really doesn't matter what mess you've been in. What matters is where you're going. Did you hear what I'm saying? Do you hear that? It just really doesn't matter what dark background you've had. What matters is what the Lord can do with you if you place yourself in God's hands. We go to the next lady, Ruth. Now you know that the Bible says that Ruth is a Moabite. A what? A Moabite. Now, <clears throat> she became a daughter-in-law of Naomi. You know the story of Naomi. She went with her husband and two boys to the land of Moab because of the great famine. And while there, she lost her husband, she lost her two boys. She ends up with daughter-in-laws. 
Then she tells the girls, look girls, go back home. I'm too old, I can't give you another son. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way that the Lord has allowed things to happen, but go home. Well, you know the story there, right? Ruth actually comes from Lot. The Moabites are descendants of Lot. But then this it says, thus were both daughters of Lot with child. By who? By their father. And one of them is called what? Moab. Who is the father of the Moabites. So what's Ruth's lineage? Where did she come from? What do we call this today? Incest. Is that honorable or dishonorable? Which one is it? It's one of those dark things that, strange things that happen. And yet, even though this girl comes out of that terrible background, yet again, inside her heart is a longing that when she finally sees somebody who represents that longing, her antennas pick up the vibe. She recognizes it immediately. And she decides that nothing, nothing is going to separate her from holding on to that faith. And let me say this to you folk. There's a lot of attempt today in trying to reach the world with different methods. But physicians, you cannot improve on the methods of Christ. What did I say? You cannot improve on the methods of Christ. I'm going to say it the third time. You cannot improve on the methods of Christ. His methods alone will bring success. I've had people tell me that this new thing is going to work. This thing is going to bring hordes of people into the church. I haven't seen it happen. No will it ever happen. Because you cannot improve on the method Christ. I'm going to say it one more time. You cannot improve on the method of Christ. You've heard of it being said, we need to reach a postmodern society. How many of you have heard that? Can I just tell you honestly that doesn't exist? You know why I'm saying that? Because People change all the time. How many of you have been long enough around with me that remember the yuppie, the hippie, the weepy, the flower children, the children of God? How many of you remember all of those groups of people? Supposed to. And how many of you remember all the targets that were being used to reach those particular people, the hippies, the yippies, the flower children, and all that? And the question is, 
How many of those people still remain as frog children or hippies or yippies, etc.? How many of them? Hmm? Reality is this, friends. Everyone's human. What did I say? Everyone's human. And everyone has a heart. And what Jesus did was sought to reach the heart. What did he do? And so, I remember a scientist, astronaut, postmodern lady, who figured out how to use all her technology to try to assassinate a rival of hers. How many of you remember that story? Any of you? An astronaut woman. She was married in Texas, had children, and was concerned that the fella that she had a crutch on perhaps could be stolen away from her by another astronaut who was single. So she used all her technology to figure out how she could use diapers and all that to travel all across from Texas to Florida, get there in t just in time so that when the girl got to the parking lot, she could assassinate her and get rid of her rivals. Listen, postmodern, nah. Sinner, yes. But in many sinners, there's a longing. What did I say? In many sinners, there's a what? A longing. And if you lift up Jesus, he will pull that longing out and those people will become converted. What do you say? Amen. Are you hearing me? I didn't hear an amen to that one. Amen. Are you hearing me? Amen. This young woman, Ruth, could see in her mother-in-law a godly life. In spite of the miserable circumstances of Naomi, Naomi still clung to her God, and Ruth was moved by that. And Ruth recognized that the longing in her heart resonated with that which she saw in Naomi. And when Naomi said, you need to go back home, Ruth said, I'm not going. And then that wonderful passage of scripture, it says, where? You go, I will go. Where you lie, I will lie. Your people shall be my people. My God, my God. Now listen, because of time, I'm going to close with an appeal here. Here's my appeal to you. Obviously, Ruth, Rahab, Tamer, were women who are victims of environments, circumstances. But through their longing, God recognized. And God created, created for them the opportunity to connect with that which they saw. And to turn their hearts to God. And God then took those women, in spite of their dysfunctional circumstances and honored them and put them up in a high honored position. 
The last woman is not even mentioned by name. It says, only she that had been the wife of Urias. That's all it says. You know why? Because of all the girls, she had greater light. Even though she was not a Jewish woman, <clears throat> she was exposed and should have known better. And with the knowledge she had, she did that, which is even greater sin than the other three girls. And yet, what's amazing about all of that is that all of these four girls clearly have a change of heart. All of them aspire to follow God. All of them follow the longings of their hearts. And God took the ruins of Bathsheba and on top of the ruins built a temple. Did you hear what I said? <coughs> God took the ruins of Bathsheba and on those ruins built a temple. This morning, perhaps some of you have been afflicted by the typical things of life that affect you. You know what's strange about sin is that it's no respecter of person. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor or not. You can get just as hoarse as I get. Is that true? You can get sick and die. Is that true? Your wife can leave you. Is that true? Your husband can commit adultery. Is that true? Are you hearing me? It doesn't matter what profession you are. Inwardly, you're still human. And as humans, we have our struggles with life. And some of us have greater struggles than others. And because of our circumstances, we begin to feel like we're not worthy. I'm no good. I've known some young ladies who have talked to me. One young lady said, I hate my grandfather. Oh, I hate him. He started abusing me since I was five years old. And she said, I feel dirty. I don't feel like I can marry anyone. I asked her, I said, have you accepted the Lord? She said, yes. And I said, you forgot one thing. She said, what's that? The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are what? How much? How many things? Are what? Behold, how many things? All things become what? New. So I said to her, you have a choice, young lady. You could either be living back in your filth of your life, or you could be living in a new cleanse experience of your life. Which one? The old one only brings you heartache, misery. It causes you to take medicine. 
it has destroyed your life. The new one can give you hope and change your life. You can close the door to that past. And you can start walking anew. Because if Jesus can do this for these girls that come from incest and prostitution, etc., Jesus can certainly do that for you. What do you say? You know, that girl started crying. And she said, I never understood it that way. Praise the Lord, that girl got married. She just emailed me about a month ago with the name of her new baby. She's rejoicing in the freedom that comes when one is willing to depart from the past and enter into the present and future. What do you say? Oh, I don't know what your situation is, friends. I don't know what your background has been. But some of us carry our backgrounds with us. Some of us carry our burdens with us, our griefs, our anger, our pain. Why not determine today to leave it behind? And so I'm going to make an appeal. There are those of you who have, can identify with these girls, not just women, but men also. Some of you have had challenges because of your past. Dad was an alcoholic. He beat us all the time. I hated him. You understand what I'm saying? I come from a very dysfunctional family. On and on and on. Why not bring closure to that and say, God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you can make all things new. And today, I want to lay that at your altar, leave it behind, bring closure. Somebody want to rise to their foot, to their feet and say, I can identify with that, and I want to bring closure. Somebody want to rise to their feet, amen. Are there others? There are others. Be a good thing to leave it all behind. Leave this convention sensing that it's closed. Door shut. You can leave it behind. I'm going to ask you, folk, would you come up here? I'd like to have prayer with you. Would you come? Come to the front. Are there others who would like to come forward? You didn't stand because you didn't have the courage. Don't worry about what people think about you. Worry about what God thinks about you. The devil beats on us all the time. I can tell you all sorts of horry things that happened in my life. I remember the first time I met my father that I could remember. I was six years old. just moved to New York City. And my, uh, we were living in that little one-room apartment. And my father showed up first time I saw my dad. He was a very handsome-looking gentleman, well-dressed and all that. And I didn't know if I should be excited or be fearful. So I was kind of excited to see my dad for the first time. And he was talking with my mother. I could sense that the conversation became more tense and more tense and more tense. Then I had a feeling that he was about to, to strike my mother. 
And so I said to him, if you touch mom, I'm gonna go and call the police on you. And he turned around and smacked me. And I flew from where I was all the way underneath the table. Of course, I was screaming from the pain that he brought upon me. My mother was screaming also. And that brute left. I never saw him again for years later until he became converted and came back. But all I had the memory of was that brute. You understand what I'm saying? So what kind of feelings did I have in my heart? You, you understand what I'm saying? But you know, when I became a Christian, I began to understand one basic thing. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. My dad today is 93 years old. When my dad became converted, he came to pay his dues. He did everything he could to bring the gospel to the family. And by God's grace, all the family became converted. Amen. Praise the Lord. And because of that, today we're all rejoicing in the light of the Son of Righteousness. My dad and mom became like brother and sisters. His wife, new wife Lolita, she was very close to my mother. And whenever mother needed something, Lolita was there to help my mother out. Only by God's grace, what do you say? Amen. And so, old things have what? Passed away. And I'm looking forward to the kingdom when all of us, my mother, my brothers, Lolita, and all of us can be together in the kingdom. What a great day that will be. What do you say? And so, we can bring closure. We can say, yeah, it happened, but I'm not going to let it keep on hampering me or bothering me. And the same thing, folks. Sometimes you meet people out there that you wonder. You wonder. I remember I had an alcoholic came to the meeting one night. I was preaching on the worth of a soul. I didn't know he was an alcoholic, but I made an appeal. He was the first one that could barely stand, but as he was trying to stand, I could see him rocking back and forth. I knew he was drunk. And after the meeting, the uh, man who brought him into the church came all excited. He said, Jaime, Jaime responded to your call. I said, I know, but I was, you know, down in Thomas. You understand what I'm saying? How much can a guy who can barely stand understand about what you're saying? But he, he, he uh, came up to me, and he just, had, he just reeked with stench of urine and all that. The co-porter who brought him in had found him in the street, lying in the street, and encouraged him to come into the church. Reeked with, I mean, he had mucus on his face, etc. But he came and shook my hand, and he said, thank you. He left. You know what's beautiful about that? Several weeks later, I discovered that the guy went home with the co-porter, took a shower, got cleaned up, changed, gave up the drinking. He had been 10 times to the hospital to be detoxified, 10 times. Once he heard the gospel, and that's all it took. You hear what I'm saying? There's a longing in the heart. What do you say? And when you see it, you connect with it. You say, ah, that's it. Hallelujah. I'm coming there. You hear what I'm saying? Praise God. Are there, is there anybody else who needs to respond? And you just want to raise your hand. You don't have the courage to come up, but you'd like to raise your hand and say, include me in that prayer. Anybody else? 
Let's pray together, shall we? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy holy name. We're so grateful that it doesn't matter what has happened in the past. Many of us willingly or unwillingly have been caught up in something in our lives that we wish no one ever knew about. Shameful things. But we're thankful, Father, that you bring closure to that, that we can live for the new light that you bring to us. Thank you, you can take our ruins and turn them into glorious temples. And the one that you said, you're not ashamed to call us your brethren. We're grateful for that great love, Father. And now, Lord, these who have come forward to place on your altar whatever it is that their past has been, Lord, may they write it in the book. They left it behind here today. May they go on to live from glory to glory. And we thank you for hearing us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for Amen, Adventist Medical Evangelism Network. If you would like to learn more about Amen, please visit www.amensda.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.